So today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. You might have heard of him after he delivered one of the most impressive races you are likely to see on the biggest stage of them all. It's our new Olympic champion, Christian Blumenfeld. Hello, champ. Hello, how are you? Yeah, very well, very well. Um, you're in the airport. Yeah, so now it's like uh, two days since the race and uh, I'm still in Japan, but then kind of uh, in an hour before we are flying back to Europe. and. Uh, it will really be nice to come back home to Norway. I haven't been home since uh, January, so uh, it will be really nice to finally be back home. Wow, yeah. So your first time home in seven months and you're, you're bringing home the gold. Yeah, it's going to be uh, really nice uh, also to see kind of, uh, the friends and family at home that I haven't seen uh, for a long time. It's going to be special. And have you spoken to them much? Have you heard from from back home? I mean, it's been amazing to see the buzz around the triathlon the last, you know, well, across the week and the build-up and so on. But, you know, has has the whirlwind stopped since you crossed the line of, of calls and messages? And Well, it's kind of still ticking in. So I tried to kind of uh, reply to uh, kind of all of them. But uh, I don't know, like the last two days have been there. Uh, quite busy as you can imagine so uh, I also just try to enjoy the moment as well you know just uh, being on my phone so uh, try to <laughs> that's true uh, <laughs> t- t- take like uh, a little bit moment off and uh, just uh, yeah enjoy the time what's what's the first thing you do after the, all the round of interviews and so on straight after the race what's the first thing you you did as as champ so then we went straight to the dining hall for uh, some food you know, getting up uh, for the race, we woke up like 3 a.m. middle of the night for yeah. a small breakfast. And then from there on and uh, until maybe uh, noon or one o'clock, like didn't really eat anything. Just uh, kind of some nutrition and drinking I got like on the bike and uh, post race, but uh, didn't have any proper food. So uh, we went straight to the dining hall, which was, uh, yeah, quite good. So you're sitting in the village, <laughs> the athlete village, like with the team with, with Gus and Casper and, and Harold and kind of feeling a bit surreal, presumably. Yeah, I'm really relieved because this has been like a, a day we have really been uh, working for for the last five years, basically, since the day after uh, Rio. So with Olympics, it's really like black and white. It's either... Uh, you either like getting the success or you feel really disappointing for the race. So I was just, uh, I was really feeling that uh, for the last maybe four or five weeks coming into the event that uh, uh, five years of work is coming down to that one single day. And it's really nice to get it out on the day. Yeah. Well, I, and I mean, we spoke to Harold before the race and he was saying, you know, it was, it was actually all the way back in 2009, right? That you kind of first started plotting the course to this point. So yeah, you say it was kind of relief. Was it, it was sort of anything other than gold and you might've felt a bit disappointed? No, or I, like I said to national media before the race that uh, uh, obviously I wanted to win the gold medal and also a podium would be nice, but anything else would be like, uh, extremely disappointing uh 
I've been to Olympics before in Rio where I finished like 13th and I didn't want to have the same experience again. I, I came here for a medal and uh, I really wanted to race for the gold medal. So um, it was for this race, it was uh, sort of all or nothing. And I knew that I've been in good shape for maybe the last six months. Like uh, what I've done in training has been uh, quite strong and I've been able to do it well in the first uh, like part of the season with the uh, Yokohama and Lisbon and also solid racing elite and uh, and uh, also Kenna. And actually the last race in uh, Leeds I found to be a very good experience uh, because I, I was really struggling with cramps in my hamstring. And uh, in the beginning, I thought I was just kind of uh, uh, a coincidence I got it struggling a little bit with it in uh, Yokohama but then when I really suffered with it again in Leeds I thought that um, maybe I need to do some some changing on my bike position so actually after Leeds I moved my saddle a little bit more forward to get uh, more you know, using my hand uh, quads more on the bike to be able to get the fresher coming off the bike and uh, I think that helped uh, for the running in uh, uh, earlier this week <laughs> earlier this week yeah well I, I mean that must be quite a big thing isn't it just before the biggest race of your life to make changes like that when presumably yeah like consistency is what you want that, that's, that must have been a big a big thing right yeah I, I knew that uh, I needed to do something after Leeds because uh, uh, normally I feel like uh, uh, I can push quite hard yeah, on the bike and still be running then. but then uh, in Leeds I felt the running pace wasn't too high like uh, I was losing a minute or so to Alex there but uh, I think that was more down to a muscular thing than just the pace itself so uh, I knew that I either had to do more hamstring work the last uh, six weeks going into the games or I had to do something on my bike position so um, it was good to get that experience uh, before the games and uh, make sure that it didn't happen um, in Tokyo. Mm. So given, you know, the long build-up uh, and, and the sort of intense preparation and knowing that you'd had all that locked in and obviously that brings you some, that brings the confidence that, that everything's in place, but how were you feeling both lining up? So, you know, the, that swim warm-up's done, the bike's in place, and then you all have to walk, line up, and then you have to walk to the pontoon. So... So the race itself was actually uh, not that bad. Like I was dealing well with the nerves. It was more tricky to go to bed the day before, like uh, uh, knowing that uh, when like I had to put on the alarm three a.m. in the morning, which means I need to go to bed like six or seven in uh, in the evening the day before, and also knowing that the people back home in Norway they had already did up and I would actually race on their day back like on the same day but I still had to do one more sleep mm -hmm. uh, and also kind of thinking about uh, uh, what like uh, how, how it would be 24 hours into the future you know after the race and <laughs> just counting down that, that that was more uh, difficult to deal with the nerves on the race day itself it was uh, just good to get started and do the warm-up and uh, 
Um, I felt confident after doing the both swim and bike conversation um, two and three days before the race. So uh, that really helped with the nerves. But how much do you reckon you slept that night? Uh, well, I think I slept like seven hours. We, we tried to uh, adjust the sleeping rhythm uh, going into the race because we knew that uh, we had to get up early in the morning. So uh, we started already when we were in Miyazaki to get up a little bit earlier every day to adjust with the, the day rhythm. And, and and between the athletes and so on as well, like how was the how was the tension? Obviously, there was that invalid start with the the boat situation as well, which nobody saw coming at all. But the, I remember Johnny Brownie was saying that that sort of in a way helped release a bit of the pressure and tension, and it just let everyone kind of sort of realise sort of you know it was just another race situation maybe it kind of just cleaned things out a little bit in people's minds did you have any of that well yeah i think as long as you get uh, onto the pontoon and you get started uh, it all goes kind of naturally by itself again uh, it's more the build up and kind of staying standing uh, in transition waiting for the introduction that's uh, more nerve-breaking but then uh, when you first had that first start and you kind of Managed to get the kind of a little pre warm up before the big uh, big gun. I think that just helped for um, uh, to wake up the muscles again. Yeah, I, and the swim. I mean, it must have felt like job done, right? I mean, you came out of the water about halfway back, but only thirty seconds really from from the front, right? So you must have been feeling in a really good spot around then. Yeah, I felt. Uh, I've been kind of solid in the swim training compared to what I've been earlier in the pool. So I thought I was in decent swim shape, but also I had the feeling that uh, there weren't many strong swim bikers like uh, we've seen that were in Rio uh, that could make that eight to 10 guys breakaway happen. Uh, especially when Alistair didn't get to qualified or didn't didn't race, I thought that the the chances for ha having a swim bike breakaway was very very small, and I could maybe potentially have swam ten, maybe fifteen seconds faster if I went really really hard mm -hmm. uh, to make that risk. But I had kind of the feeling that if I do that, then Gustav and Casper is just going to bridge everyone up anyway. So uh, I knew that I was surrounded by Alex and Hayden and uh, Jake and also Casper and Gustav was behind me. Casper was just in front. So I thought that we had quite good control on the first um, kind of the swimmers and also that uh, I really had the feeling that uh, it would come down to a 10K race. And for me, it was all about just uh, saving myself until that 10K. So the, the pre-race plan wasn't for the three of you to try another, you know, sort of Bermuda-type breakaway or, and, and Alistair not being there, did that actually change the, you know, the way that you approached the race then a bit? Yeah, well, it uh, made it a lot easier to, to catch up to the front uh, pack because they had them losing uh, kind of the main engine in, in the front pack. Uh, but also I think uh, the fact that it's some nation has pure domestic uh, riders uh, in the field made it uh, more 
unlikely for breakaway to happen. I thought, like, uh, if if I tried to do something with Gustav and Casper, then uh, for first the potential uh, to blow up was significant. Mm. Uh, even though it wasn't super hot, it's a kind of a risk I didn't want to take. Uh, and also having uh, guys like uh, Matthew Sharp potentially couldn't uh, bridge or do all the work for Tyler and then he just sitting back uh, resting. Uh, so I, I was just prepared for uh, doing it on the run because yeah. I also thought that uh, it would be a very tough uh, challenge to run against Alex and Maureen Pearson. Uh, although I knew that Hayden uh, could uh, be up there. So coming off the bike and, and were you were, were you well well set kind of heading into that? Were you, were you where you wanted to be as you were coming into T two and then and then heading out? Uh, yeah, I must say so. It was a little bit strange the, the last twenty k of the bike after we reached up uh, to the first pack because I felt the pace wasn't uh, really on. It was just kind of. Uh, uh, no one was taking uh, uh, the time to make or take advantage of the bike course. We were just kind of going through and counting down the laps. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was expecting it to be quite difficult to get a good position coming into transition two. But um, it was actually quite fine. We had both myself and Casper and also Gustav uh, well up there on the last lap and we managed to be in a good position coming off the bike and uh, but I was a little bit surprised how many guys we were uh, running together still uh, after 5-6k so that, that was maybe the, the biggest surprise but then again I think yeah, in the Olympics the Olympics. we have a lot of yeah. uh, athletes uh, kind of <laughs> giving it a try and putting everything on the line to get the, on that podium and uh, trying to stay with the front as long as possible so I was uh, a little bit relieved when uh, we with three three and a half k to go managed to separate ourselves from uh, uh, Johnny and the rest. We were suddenly three guys there, and uh, I tried to motivate both Hayden and Alex to say that uh, okay, now we have the podium. Let's uh, make this podium as safe as possible. So yeah. we managed to get that uh, gap down to fourth place, and uh, we suddenly had the. Uh, uh, a situation there where we all had uh, a very safe middle in our pockets. <laughs> so was the pace, you know, the, the pace was was a bit faster than you had perhaps imagined as well. You know, like you said, it being the biggest race and, and also have more people being able to hang in there for that well, much longer. I think the pace was on where I expected, but I didn't expect uh, it to be that many athletes hanging on for that long. Yeah. So, because you ne you never know if someone suddenly kind of put in an attack and you don't really know how your legs will uh, respond yourself. So um, uh, it's always a little bit like uh, when you're counting down the laps, the first five k, you're just hoping that uh, you will not hit the wall suddenly. So uh, I was pleased when uh, uh, I saw other runners kind of uh, start suffering. And then Hayden obviously was sort of the last to go. Um, and then it's it sort of, you know, you obviously, you and Alex both testing each other out. Did you have a sense of, of where he might be physically at that stage as well? 
because you couldn't see his face, no. see his face, and he didn't, you know. I would say, you know, there was there was some pain etched on there quite early on. No, it's very difficult. Uh, uh, but like the face expression is very difficult to read. Uh, mm. Someone they doesn't show too much fatigue in their face when they struggle. Like they have kind of a very plain face, and then you have others, uh, maybe like myself, who. Uh, look like we are above the limit but uh, uh, we still kind of feel comfortable so um, uh, it's very difficult to read uh, so I didn't, didn't really know how it would go the last uh, K and a half but I was just hoping that uh, it would be enough and Boy, was it? I mean, that as that gap extended and you you realised, I mean, it, there must have been a good seven eight hundred metres left when you realised that you had broken. Not not that you'd take anything for granted that far out, but to be able to come down the shoot and and actually enjoy it as well, rather than that, that must have been extra special. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Uh, like coming through that last aid station and then kind of the last run in before you take that sharp left-hand turn onto the beach. Uh, I knew that, okay, this is just the last minute of push and then I can uh, enjoy the rest when I get in, in, onto the pontoon or onto the beach again. And yeah, really, really strange feeling coming into the last 100 meters, knowing that uh, something that we have worked for so many years is really happening. And also that magical feeling crossing that finish line and touching the, the tape is uh, something I've been dreaming about as well for so many years. I actually looked uh, the days before the race, I just looked at um, on YouTube at the finish uh, last lap of um, the London and Rio Olympic Games uh, and just trying to imagine myself running there uh, on that last lap fighting for a gold medal. and. To actually be able to do it uh, myself is uh, yeah, a really proud moment. Well, you gave us all an amazing finish as well. And, you know, the, the images as you crossed the line pretty much said it all, I think. Um, and then for you to be able to see that kind of recreated around the world must be an amazing feeling, almost, almost up there with actually winning it, is it? Well, yeah, I think <laughs> it's... It, it was nice like coming uh, uh, into the recovery area and see the TV and kind of get, get the replay of the race. You kind of, um, it's funny how you remember what was going through your mind in the different uh, scenario of, uh, of the race and kind of uh, reliving it. So uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, see the race again in the replay. Yeah, I normally watch it while I'm on the turbo. Uh, and doing a bike session, so <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to do that again. And uh, uh, yeah, it's very easy to get uh, excited, and uh, kind of suddenly your heart rate is uh, ten beats too high <laughs> when you're watching a race like that. But uh, yeah, it, it's good fun and uh, good motivation. Uh, I, I used to watch the test event race uh, a lot last year when I was in Turbo, just to really get the feeling of the course and get the feeling like I know it's uh, inside out, especially the bike course. And uh, that helped uh, before um, the race, I think. 
Is that the hardest you've ever had to fight for a win? Push yourself. Uh, it's difficult. Like I've been going all out for like a few races, uh, but um, yeah, one of them for sure. Like I, I've gone uh, all out before, but uh, for sure I'm, I was in the fittest that I've ever been in the race. So. Uh, and together with uh, pushing myself as hard as I can, that's maybe the combination. Yeah. And Gustav and Casper afterwards was a pretty nice moment for the for all of you. Or I suppose there's so much like the press conference and everything to do as well. Were you were you able to kind of enjoy it with them? Did you have time? Yeah, I didn't get to see them too much after the race, like uh, with all the stuff that happening around the medal ceremony, etc. But uh, yeah, they were. Obviously happy for me, but also I can understand that uh, they have been training for five years to get on the podium myself, uh, themselves, and uh, uh, I think they are really hungry and motivated for the next three years and getting to Paris and uh, trying to get on the podium themselves. For sure, Hayden and Alex, pretty great couple of people to share the podium with for you though as well, right there. You know that youth and enthusiasm and you know the, the average age of you three is considerably lower than london or, or rio so that's that must be you know nice to be part of the, the new guard as well yeah for sure and uh, also like the, the last two years has really been a uh, change i guess uh, it's not the same five or six guys you see on the podium it's only we've been having like maybe 15 guys on the podium so uh, it's really uh, a change generation change now in the short distance and uh, it's good to be able to uh, be able to race against the young young guns uh, still I uh, saw so I was the one who was uh, pulling up the average age of the podium so feel a little bit old <laughs> as you were lying on the floor um, and it was obviously like a strangely quiet situation with no crowd there and so on um, did, the, did the sort of silence bring everything, make everything even more emotional? Can you remember what was going through your head? Was it just like, I've done it, I've done it, I've done it, or? Oh, yeah, it was like crossing the finish line. It was just like the super relief of actually reaching the goal that we had for 10 years. But uh, afterwards, uh, I think it was just kind of, I had more enough to just focus on myself and uh, kind of getting back on my feet, uh, especially for the last, no, the first few minutes, uh, I felt that I just needed to kind of uh, puke up the, <laughs> the last bit I had been drinking on the bike and the run. Um, uh, get that out of the system. Yeah. To, <laughs> yeah, just get it out of the system. But at the same time, I had like one or two persons around me trying to help me, but it's not much help you can get when you <laughs> need to. <laughs> <laughs> need to cook so I just need to get it uh, out of the system and then uh, I was okay again yeah well I, and that all added to the sort of post-race uh, footage everywhere you know that coupled with the uh, with the tri-suit um, it's amazing <laughs> how you know yeah you go through this all the time and, da -da -da, and then it's kind of at the Olympics and the stage and the you know the reach is is unbelievable and and things like that are just are just everywhere suddenly it's great yeah it's been uh kind of great you know it's, it's just 
uh, it's not just uh, us, the athletes and the coaches who is uh, trying to step up uh, the game. We also have like partners working, designing special air balls for the course, special tri suit for the heat to be able to have all the margins we possibly can. And I saw a lot of people was kind of uh, wondering why we were using like see-through suits, but that's actually us, the athletes, who has been pushing to have the best possible suit, even though we knew it would be see-through. We, we knew that it would be worth it. We didn't want to have a, a thick skin or thick fabric or a black suit that's uh, kind of uh, just keep making you boiling on the run. So all for uh, the basket for getting uh, all the margins. Yeah, quite. Well, no, I think, it, you know, it feels like another sort of huge turning point for triathlon in terms of its growth and, and you know, people just sort of understanding things like that and learning about the fact that it's, you know, the best part of two hours that you lot are putting, their, putting yourselves in the line and these little memes of people who are like, hang on, they swim for that and then bike for that and then run for that. This is incredible. Um, so it's, yeah, I don't know, it feels like a whole nother kind of shift. And then, you know, you'll be going back to Norway now and maybe there'll be a World Triathlon Championship Series race coming to Norway soon. And that will be quite special as well, presumably. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I think it's good to use the Olympics to showcase the sport in the country. And uh, especially now, before the race, we tried to build like a hype around the, the race and we were all saying that uh, we had metal potential in all three of us. And, and also it was a good time for television in Europe, I think, like, uh, or better than yeah. most other sports, like uh, kind of early in the night. And uh, I think the numbers from people watching it was good. And uh, as you say, hopefully it's helping uh, and making it possible to do something like they've done in Leeds and in uh, Bermuda to get uh, a home event in Bergen. So the time will show, hopefully next year we can be uh, downtown Bergen and having a, a big race there. <laughs> That's something uh, that we're all dreaming about, showcasing our town to to everyone. Yeah. Well, do us proud in all your uh, interviews and everything when you're back there and spread the word. <laughs> yeah. Is it too soon for you to think about what the next race is on the schedule? You know, obviously Montreal, Edmonton, you're right up there in the world rankings and the world championship is going to be decided in Edmonton. And Yeah, yeah so it's, I think it's going to be between me and uh, Alex, most likely, or we are like ranked one and two at the moment. But I also want to win Hawaii this year. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> I have in less than three weeks I have a qualification I need to do in Frankfurt and then jump onto the plane stay in quarantine for three days and then hopefully I will be able to recover in time for Edmonton yeah. uh, for the grand final so uh, uh, it's going to be tough but uh, I will give it a try yeah well so in, a, <laughs> in an ideal world you will do Olympics, grand final, and you know potentially world champion and Kona. That that could be the that could be the the trio, could it? Yeah. So uh, uh, 
now I just have to get back home, jump on a TT bike and uh, get the long rides in. So uh, it's going to be a very busy next two weeks, probably some media attention back home uh, after the race now and also with the build up uh, to Frankfurt and also trying to keep a little bit leg speed uh, for uh, Edmonton uh, the week after. So it's going to be a very tricky balance there to both get the training in, but also uh, recovering enough between uh, the big sessions. Yeah. Well, I suppose if you're doing long rides, then they can't contact you for interviews, right? So you can just <laughs> escape, phone off. Well, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll have to do them while I'm riding. Or something like that. So when you're riding, you're like, you know, you're here at the airport. It's all about time management from here on, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, but, but it's, it's good to, you know, showcase the sport back home and uh, uh, trying to inspire more young athletes to take up triathlon in Norway. Yeah, amazing. Well, both you and Flora, obviously, doing that in, in the finest style in the last couple of days. Is it, I heard that you tipped Flora off on what, what the lucky um, pontoon number was. Is this right? Yeah. So I picked number 15 uh, the day before and uh, she was a little bit late going into the um, briefing uh, after the swim fam on um, Sunday, I think. So I told her that uh, she should pick a pontoon number, uh, slot number 15. That, that's like the lucky number. And then she went in. And then the, later on the day when I checked like uh, where everyone was standing, I saw that she actually picked the uh, 15. So that's uh, <laughs> a little bit funny. They like a like place to be on the pontoon. Yeah, she was, uh, she, she delivered quite the race as well. Between the two of you, those, those are two of the greatest runs you were likely to see at the end of a triathlon, I would imagine, for some time. It was a really different race. Uh, mm. Like she was, they were having like a tough swim, tough bike, and she still ran super fast well we had more of a tactical one uh so uh, yeah two two different races in the same course so that was cool to showcase yeah yeah she was flying as well well christian i know you've got a flight to get to very soon so just want to say thanks ever so much congratulations huge congratulations on an incredible performance and safe trip back thank you very much good Look forward to catching up in Edmonton and uh, seeing how it's all gone. Yes, that's, that would be good. And hopefully my legs will be kind of recovered after uh, <laughs> after Frankfurt. So yeah, see you there. Brilliant. Cheers. Well, there you have it. The men's Olympic champion in both triathlon and modesty. Huge thanks and congratulations again to Norway's Christian Blumenfeld. Ahead of the weekend's massive mixed relay Olympic debut, we will be hearing from another Olympic champion who turned a long-held dream to gold this week in Tokyo, Bermuda's Flora Duffy. Thanks for listening.